0: That's the sound of a day starting outright. I hear it every time my new Toro Z-Master 4000 zero-turn starts up. With big-time horsepower, giant Voodoo track tires, turbo-force deck, and comforts like MyRide and USB ports, it's fully loaded to mow all day long while delivering that signature Toro cut. From start to finish, this beast means business. Get your Z-Master 4000 today. Toro. Count on it. The most awesome podcast to ever embrace a pair of headphones, Sarasso and the Beard. And now, here are your hosts,
1: Nick Sarasso and Jose, the Talking Beard Rivera. And welcome to Sarasso and the Beard podcast, episode 23. I am Nick Sarasso.
0: And I'm the Talking Beard, Jose Rivera. And Jose, we
1: continue to get higher and higher into our podcast episodes as we're getting midway towards the 20s soon.
0: Yeah, this is our Georgian episode, basically, right? (laughs) Episode 23? (laughs) Yeah. Just uh, so slap those hoop earrings in your ear, Nick. So,
1: and talking about uh, a lot of NBA today with the All Star break coming on this weekend. We're going to be talking about a lot of the biggest surprises and teams in the first half of the season. Although, I don't know if it can be considered first half. We're about 55, 60 games into the regular season. But, nevertheless, uh, how teams have done so far and definitely going into the Cavaliers trades for the trade deadline. But, I want to begin. With Josh McDaniels, the Patriots offensive coordinator, he was set to become the new head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Then, about a couple hours later, right when you think Indianapolis is going to be announcing a press conference about Josh McDaniels, he turns down the job to stay with the New England Patriots as their offensive coordinator. So, Jose, to start it off, is this the right move for Josh McDaniels to stay with New England?
0: Well, first things first, jerk move. By the way, on Josh McDaniels' part. I mean, you can't get any, you can't be any more of a jerk than that. And put, saying jerk is putting it lightly. I probably can't really say the word um, that I really want to use on this podcast. Although I don't know what we're considered, Nick. Are we a PG podcast? I don't know. Anyways, Josh McDaniels. That was a big jerk move. Um, you know, it's interesting to say, like you said, is this the best move for Josh McDaniels? Because the answer to that is, I really don't know. I mean, you're turning down a job offer where. You have arguably one of the, you know, top ten QBs in the league in, um, in Andrew Luck, right? If one healthy, Andrew Luck is one of the better quarterbacks of the league. Um, the big, you know, the big uh, quotation marks there is one healthy. Um, but it sounds like Andrew Luck is ready to go soon. He doesn't need any more surgeries, and it sounds like Andrew Luck might be ready for the start of the year. So you would be inheriting a good young quarterback in Andrew Luck. Um, I think the Colts you know, they they do have some talent on this team. They have some good offensive pieces. I just think they've been poorly coached over the past couple of years. So I think Josh McDaniels, who obviously knows what he's doing under the tutelage of Bill Belichick, um, working with a great QB like Tom Brady and that kind of offense could have brought that style of offense to Indianapolis and really would have made a difference for the Colts, um, again, in, in what is a Wild AFC South right now. Um, Really, the floodgates are open and it's anybody's game. I mean, we saw Jacksonville take a big step forward this year. We saw the Titans take a step forward. Um, The Texans, before Deshaun Watson got hurt, they look good. So if you're the Colts, you don't want to straggle behind these three teams. You want to get right in there and make it known as saying, hey, this is a four team race. You know, anybody can win it. This is a competitive division. And I think just by bringing in Josh McDaniels, that would have done that alone. Um, I'm not saying they ended up with a bad hire. I do like the move to get the offensive coordinator from Philly. Um, I think it's an interesting choice. But for Josh McDaniels, going back to your question, it's hard to say if this was a good or bad decision because he turns down the Colts' job and now he's going back to New England where, again, he's with Bill Belichick, where he's with one of the greatest coaches of all time, when he's with one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in Tom Brady. So he left, a, he left a, uh, an opportunity on the table for him to be in charge to go back to what he already knows. And what he already knows is that the Patriots are going to make the playoffs. They're going to make another run at the Super Bowl. That's a given. Um, So I think either way, it would have been a good move for Josh McDaniels. Uh, I would have liked to have seen him go to the Colts, though, just because I would have loved to see what he would have brought to the table.
1: To me, I I don't like the move. And it's not to say because, like you said, it's a jerk move or it's a word that could rhyme with Uh, (laughs) neck. It's it's further into that. there are 32 NFL teams. There are 32 NFL head coaching positions. It's a rare job. It is It is not one that everyone gets an opportunity to do. And this year, seven head coaching positions available. Arizona uh, Cardinals, Chicago Bears, New York Giants, Oakland Raiders, Tennessee Titans, and the Detroit Lions as well with the Indianapolis Colts. Okay. Best team out of all those to look at—it's Indianapolis. You could tell me Derek Hard and the Oakland Raiders or the New York Giants have a great defense. Detroit has Matthew Stafford, but the best QB out of all these groups is Andrew Luck. Like you said, when healthy is the big question. But I'm going to take the fact that he spent the entire year—he w- I assume would have been ready to go in towards like week 12 or week 13. But I think the Colts just decided, you know what, let's not have Andrew Luck out on the field right now and risk anything when we're not going anywhere and we're going to wind up with a great pick in the draft, you'd be talking about instead of having, you get to make your own decisions. As great as it is to follow along Bill Belichick and Bill Belichick is going to promise like to do salary moves with Jot McDaniels, that's great, but most coaches don't do that. Uh, That's the GM's position. And most places in where Josh McDaniels would have went, that's not what he would have been concerning himself with. And I know we talked about the idea that this could be Bill Belichick's replacement, but there's no guarantee in football that this happens. There's no guarantee that if Bill Belichick retires maybe a year, two years, five years from now, because he is in his upper 60s, that Josh McDaniels is going to get the job, or that he isn't going to be fired in a year or two and there's no guarantee that Robert Kraft doesn't say hey you know as much as we used to have Bill Belichick coach and really run this team I'm not going to do that with another coach I'm going to let a general manager take a lot of this off your plate so you're not really in my mind gaining as much experience as you would think because of the fact that a lot of the coordinators when they leave Bill Belichick they don't have success later on they have a losing total record there's not enough reasons for me to say hey get the worst of the two positions don't move up in your career path don't take a head coaching job don't have a franchise quarterback already there for you where you have a great gm who made 27 different roster changes in a year he's gonna have the third pick in the draft this year where if if Barkley does fall to you, you have a great running back of the future instead of just Frank Gore, or you get a better defensive player, or you have somebody that can protect Andrew Luck. You you have so many different options, and you choose the lesser path in my mind with staying with New England that, let's be honest, has so many questions at the end of the day. When will How long will Tom Brady stay? How long will Bill Belichick stay? How long will Rob Gronkowski stay? And if you were to take over this team when all three of those men are gone, are you really going to be in the best of hands? Are you going to put yourself in the best situation for the future? And the answer to me is no. So I don't agree with Josh McDaniels staying in New England. Even if you're going to learn from Bill Belichick at the end of the day, the Indianapolis Colts are so much of a better position but, Jose, I want to ask you this one. Do you view Josh McDaniels as Bill Belichick's replacement after this move? Or do you think this is almost like this Patriot-like move where to not improve the ASC and the Colts? And would I consider McDaniels is the best coordinator that was available for these seven teams or for Indianapolis um, that the Patriots get to keep? The best offensive coordinator in the NFL, as opposed to having him as a head coach on an opposing
0: team? Well, I actually think it's both. You know, obviously, if you're the Patriots, you know what Josh McDaniels does. You've had him for a couple of years now, you know he's one of the best coordinators out there because he helps put together your game plan along with Bill Belichick. So if you're the Patriots, yeah, you don't want this guy going anywhere else. Why do I want to see another team get better to challenge us for the AFC crown, right? That's what the Patriots do. They're the top dog. They're the alpha male. They don't want to see an up-and-coming team try and knock them off the mountaintop. So I think it is a little bit of both. I think it's one. We don't want to see another team get better. But also, like you said, it's a rare opportunity to be a head coach in the NFL. You know, go ask all these other guys that have had one opportunity, gotten fired, and haven't been a head coach again in the NFL. Usually it's one and done. When it comes to that opportunity so if you're josh mcdaniels do you think robert Kraft went up to him and said hey um you know we really want to stick it to the colts don't go i doubt mcdaniels would have listened to that so there had to be some reason why josh mcdaniels turned it down after he had said he was already going to take it so to me this is either a scenario where robert Kraft or and and or bill belichick went up to him and said hey you know bill's not going to do this for a long you know that much longer um he doesn't you know doesn't want to coach this much anymore or he might be hanging it up soon and you're first on our list to replace him like you said it's not a guarantee but i have a feeling that they probably told him something along those lines of saying hey you're next in line kind of like a a comparison to jimmy uh, garoppolo when it came to tom brady right when it came to jimmy g it was kind of a foregone conclusion that he was next in line after brady retires the problem was was how long until Brady retires and then Garoppolo is going to want to go somewhere else anyways. Right. Before McDaniels, I guess, you know, there has to be some insight that he has that we don't about Bill, Bill Belichick to know that, Hey, you know, he's going to hang it up soon. And then all this is yours. You inherit Tom Brady, you inherit this team. Um, All this is going to be yours in due time. So why not just stick around and help us out here? So I do think it's a little bit of both. I think it's Robert Kraft, not wanting to see the AFC get better. But I also feel like Josh McDaniels doesn't turn down a head coaching job unless he was guaranteed something.
1: Yeah, it's, it's certainly one of the weirder moves we've seen. Uh, but if it comes from any other team, it's extremely weird. If it comes from the Patriots, it's almost a little normal at times. Uh, let's get into the NBA a little bit as well, because the Cleveland Cavaliers certainly had a busy trade deadline. They acquired Larry Nance Jr., Jordan and George Hill and Rodney Hood they made trades all over the place they got rid of a ton of players so first off what do you think of these moves and say, does this make the Cavs the best team in the Eastern Conference or in the NBA
0: well I was really surprised honestly when I, I was surprised when I saw the report that they were shopping Isaiah Thomas and then all of a sudden I'm getting all these reports from Bleacher Report ESPN so-and-so is gone so-and-so is gone so-and-so is gone, so-and-so is gone. And I think the first reaction for a lot of people was not what the Cavaliers were getting back. I think a lot of people were surprised that trades were being made, right? They were like, whoa, they traded Isaiah Thomas? Oh, they traded Jay Crowder and Derrick Rose? Dwayne Wade's going back to Miami? So a lot of eyes were on who was leaving at first, and not a lot of attention was brought to who they were getting back. And then once the dust settled, you realize who they got back. George Hill, Rodney Hood, Larry Nance Jr., Jordan Clarkson. And the common theme, theme, you know, aside from George Hill, who's a little up there in age, is that all these guys are a lot younger. So, for the most part, I do like these moves because the Cavaliers did get younger and more energetic. I'm not saying that these guys were dinosaurs on the court, but you bring in more agile guys and you inject that that youth into this lineup and they do look a lot more energetic, right? Um, you know, and we talk about this with the Warriors sometimes too. Sometimes winning can get boring. I know that sounds crazy and people are going to be like, well, what do you mean? I mean, you're winning games, but for a team like Cleveland, you know, you're going to make the playoffs. You know, you have one of the best players in the game. You know, you're probably going to go to the Eastern Conference finals. So, and a lot of these guys that are on this team has been on this team for the past couple of years, right? Channing Frye has been here the past three years, J.R. Smith, Kyle Korver, Dwayne Wade's used to winning when he was in Miami with LeBron, Um, and they made the playoffs last year you know you had guys like Jay Crowder who was in the Celtics Isaiah Thomas who was in the Celtics so these guys have been you know to that mountaintop before either in the finals or the conference finals and now you know those guys get bored they get tired you replace them with people who have never even sniffed the conference finals right Larry Nance Jr. and Jordan Clarkson hasn't tasted winning since they've been on the Lakers George Hill You know, he's been a good role player for a lot of years in Indiana and Utah. I'm sorry, not Utah. Yeah, Utah. And, you know, they never got to the conference finals. Rodney Hood has been a rookie all his career with the Utah Jazz. He's never been to the conference finals. So now you bring in all these hungry players that that want to get there. They know they have a chance to win. And that's just going to motivate a guy like LeBron James. I give a lot of credit to the Cavaliers general manager. Instead of sitting there on his hands saying, well, you know what? I made all these trades in the offseason. I brought in Isaiah Thomas. I brought in Jay Crowder. I signed Derrick Rose. I mean, this is an all-star team. It's supposed to work. And instead of doing nothing, he went out there and did something, which is what you don't see a lot of GMs do with as talented as a team as the Cleveland Cavaliers were. Um, It's kind of like what Dwayne Wade said. I don't think it's really anybody's fault in particular. It's just something that didn't work. So kudos to the GM for seeing it wasn't working and saying, nah, we're going to do something, um, you know, to change it up here. Does it make them the best team in the East? I still don't know. And that's something that's actually kind of irritating me is that people are jumping to this conclusion that all of a sudden the Cavaliers are the best team in the Eastern Conference. To me, that's still Boston. Uh, I know they beat Boston. They they did beat Boston. And they beat OKC. But that's also been two games, right? Or three games, however many they've played so far with this new unit. Let's see how they do out of the All-Star break, right? Let's see them, you know, play a couple teams in a row. And let's not forget. The goal is not to be better than Boston. That's not the goal for Cleveland. The goal is to be better than Golden State. And I still don't think this team is better than the Golden State Warriors when it's all said and done.
1: Yeah, I I really like these moves. And like you said, you get younger, other than George Hill who's 31, all these three other players, 25 years old. You get better three-point shooters. Hill's shooting nearly 45%. Hood is shooting nearly 40%. Whereas, Jay Crowder was shooting under 33, and Isaiah Thomas was shooting the worst than Lonzo Ball at some point, so you get a lot better shooters. Larry Nance Jr. I think is really underrated, and this team I think is better defensively than the idea of the older squad, and Isaiah Thomas is a terrible defender, Dwayne Wade not the greatest. Amon Shumpert, I mean, obviously, locker room issues. Jake Crowder, you know him for his defense, but his offense just was not there at all. So I really like these moves, and yeah, they're they're the best team in the Eastern Conference. Again, I still thought they were the best team in the Eastern Conference with the team that they had just because they had LeBron James, and that's all you need to be the best team at times. Uh, this certainly should put a little bit of concern in, on Golden State, because Now this team can shoot. It's not about giving up 115 points a game for the Cavaliers anymore. I think they're going to be a better defensive team. I think they're going to see more offense from the Cleveland Cavaliers. and I I think it's going to be a motivated LeBron James. And when you have a motivated LeBron James and you have a LeBron James with the right attitude that he clearly was not having with the players that were in the locker room of Isaiah, of Dwayne Wade, of Jay Crowder, of... Schumpert, you get everyone is going to follow in line. And like you said, one of the best parts is none of these players really have been there. And none of them experienced the uh, the postseason and winning and, and It's a a different mindset, and you see the Warriors, they struggle with it in the regular season a little bit because it's just they're waiting to get to the postseason. They're waiting to get back to the finals, and it's never that kick-it-into-deer moment, but for these guys, it will be. So I really like these moves by the Cavs, and it can be good future moves, and they still kept, no matter what, at the end of the day, they kept the Brooklyn Nets pick. It may be like seventh or eighth, depending on what happens the rest of the season. Instead of what it, what everyone expected it to be, but you still keep a top ten pick available when you make all these trades. You still have a decent future, depending on what LeBron James decides to do. But now, the overall, these are good moves by the Cleveland Cavaliers. This is a reamped uh, lineup, a reamped roster, and. Uh, I'm I'm taking it for what it is. They they were putting, you know, they beat Boston by a lot. They beat uh, OKC. It was a closer uh, game, uh, but overall they were the more dominant team throughout that game. And you have a lot of different options of what you can go with this lineup and this team. So I'm I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, on the flip side, though, Jose, uh, one of the big names that stand out is Isaiah Thomas. Uh, obviously, the better. Of the bunch of players that got traded, but you know it—it it sends a message to the other teams. Um, in bad locker room chemistry, calling out Kevin Love. He only played 15 games for the Cavs. Uh, now he's traded to the Lakers. You heard him immediately. Want to say he's—he's he's going to be the starter. Uh, if you're—and he's a free agent at the end of the year—and if you're a, a, a team looking at this, are you? A little bit having like an eye-opening moment considering signing Isaiah Thomas at the
0: end of the season. Um, if I'm a team, no. But I think there are going to be a couple of teams that are hesitant um, to sign him. Hey, I still sign the guy. This guy has had a whirlwind of a year, right? Um, he gives his all for the city of Boston, gets traded, right? That that alone had to be a heartbreaker um, for Isaiah Thomas. When you know, th- There's always that moment where a player learns, okay, I forgot that sports is a business at the end of the day and that was a business move. Um, when they traded Isaiah Thomas. The guy was hurt for half the year. Who knows if he's really 100% when he came back because um, he did not play like the old Isaiah Thomas. Also, the Isaiah Thomas that we see is not, you know, it's, it, it doesn't fit into the Cavaliers' game plan. Isaiah Thomas is a shoot-first point guard. Um, he likes to have the ball in his hands. And, you know, he, there's a reason why he was so good in Boston was because he was the primary scorer. Now, when he goes to Cleveland, LeBron's that primary scorer, and then he's going to get less shot attempts. So I do think that Isaiah Thomas needs to learn that, hey, if you want to have other stars in your team, you're going to have to give up the ball a little bit more and not always have the ball in your hands. Um, again, I do knock Isaiah Thomas for the locker room chemistry stuff. You can't, This can't be your first year on the team. You haven't played half the season. You can't be calling out guys like they said he called out Kevin Love. Um, that can't happen. Uh, when he gets to the Lakers, though, I mean, you can argue that Isaiah Thomas should be the starter. He's obviously the better point guard on the team out of the ones that they have. Um, I just think it was, you know, the Lakers don't really want Isaiah Thomas at the end of the day. Um, they got him, so it could be a salary dump once he hits free agency. But this is still a guy that's a good, very good point guard in the league. Like you said, defensively, he lacks a lot. But offensively, he could light up the scoreboard. And there's going to be plenty of teams that need offense from the point guard position. He's going to find a home. Um, no, no, no doubt about it. There's going to be teams that want to sign him. Uh, it's just about what's the best fit for him. Because honestly, he doesn't fit every team's scheme. So it's really about finding the right spot for him. Although I do agree with what you said, that there are going to be a couple teams that are going to be hesitant to sign him. But at the end of the day, he sh- he's not going to have a hard time finding a job. So Yeah, it's,
1: I mean, he's still a good scorer at the end of the day. And if he has put, puts up a lot better numbers with the Lakers than what he was doing with the Cleveland Cavaliers, player, teams are going to want him. And it's just a matter of time. I, I still think he might become a Nick next season. So there, there's certainly a lot of options for Isaiah Thomas, and there's certainly options of teams that are like not doing as well, like like maybe a Phoenix Suns that can take him as an example. Uh, Jose, we're about, what, 55, 60 games through the regular season, depending on some uh, some team's records. Which team has
0: been the biggest surprise for you so far? For me, I think it has to be the Utah Jazz. Um, you know, we saw it. They're riding what eleven game win streak into the All Star break. Um, Donovan Mitchell, who was a talented rookie in the draft class, but again, you know, we we tend to forget about a lot of the rookies that were in the draft class because of certain people not naming any names that rhyme with Monzo, um, you know, and, and again, it took away. It took uh, the top picks really took away from a lot of how deep this draft class really was, right? Um, so Donovan Mitchell is a stud, and he should be in the running for rookie of the year. Now I know all, so, all science points at Ben Simmons, but Donovan Mitchell is putting up r- ridiculous numbers right now. And he's really the reason why I think Utah jazz are staying afloat. Um, when the Utah jazz got rid of George Hill, you know, I said, well, that's, that's an interesting move. I know they brought in Ricky Rubio, but you know, you're getting rid of a good point guard in George Hill. And then Gordon Hayward leaves to Boston, right? The Utah jazz made the playoffs last year. They were a fourth or fifth seed, but losing George Hill, losing Gordon Hayward, you know, those are two big offensive pieces to be missing from your team going into the next year after you made the playoffs for the first time in life ever. You know, that that's a deflating blow. So you bring in Rubio, you bring in a rookie in Donovan Mitchell, who didn't start right away, by the way. You know, he he eventually earned that starting job. And then Rudy Gobert has two separate stints on the you know on the disabled list, so to speak, this season. This team should not be where they are right now, but they are because of guys like Donovan Mitchell. And because of other guys stepping up as well too now they traded george hill and rodney hood which is an interesting move because those are two big offensive pieces they traded them to cleveland but you get a guy back in jay crowder who's going to play some good defense for you and the utah jazz are still winning games so to me the utah jazz are just they're a gritty group of guys uh, who like to go out there and grind it out and if rudy Gobert's healthy um you know there's a good possibility they try and squeeze out that last playoff spot
1: for me uh, I'm going to take the Toronto Raptors, and I know I'm taking a team that's in first in the Eastern Conference, but that's the thing. They f- have the best record in the Eastern Conference at 41-16, and 16. and let's be honest, we figured Cleveland, and if Cleveland doesn't get the best record because they sit LeBron James and they don't really care about the best record, then we're thinking Boston. So Toronto steps up and has overtaked the number one spot right now to start the season, and not only that, they have the best home record in the NBA compared to teams like Denver, compared to teams like Golden State or Houston that we would expect easily to dominate the home record. it's It's been Toronto. And it, another thing that's big is DeMar DeRozan. Obviously, 24 points a game. He's going to the All-Star game. Uh, what stands out to me is it's, it's not just him. Against the Bulls uh, in the last game before the All-Star break for the the Raptors, he scored seven points, and the Raptors won by 24. A couple days earlier, he scored only eight points, and they beat the Knits. I know it's the Knits, but they beat the Knits by 25. So even in the games where he's not putting up a ton of points, and he's putting up way low on his average, still credit to him that he's at 24 points a game because of those two low ones, Uh, But the Raptors are still getting it done on a whole team atmosphere in a team environment. And they're winning not just by a couple points where you would expect them to barely win if you had a bad game, but they're blowing out the opposing team even when DeMar DeRozan is having a bad night. So that's what's really uh, interesting to me, that the team is doing so well even when their star player isn't on his best of nights 41 and 16 at the end of the day that to me is the biggest surprise because I think we all viewed Toronto as yeah they're probably the third seed maybe in that top five range depending on if Milwaukee or Washington is gonna jump out on top this year or Philadelphia but it's Toronto right now that leads the Eastern Conference and to me that's the biggest surprise so far uh, Jose, What's been the biggest
0: disappointment team for you? For me, the biggest disappointment was at the L.A. Clippers. Um, Now, this is a weird year for the Clippers, in my opinion. Um, Only because when they lost Chris Paul, I already had my doubts. Um, To me, losing a a point guard like Chris Paul really deflates the feeling of a team. But they were able to re-sign Blake Griffin. You know, They still have DeAndre Jordan. They brought in a guy like Lou Williams this year. I was expecting Austin Rivers to take a big step forward. They brought in Gallinari. So it was still a solid team um, for the L.A. Clippers. But they have a disappointing year. They shockingly trade away Blake Griffin. um, And then they hang on to guys like DeAndre Jordan and Luke Williams, who they probably should have traded if they wanted to build around Blake Griffin. Um, This is a team that I just don't know if they know what direction they want to go in. It seems like they're trying to clear space so they can go after LeBron James. But let me tell you something. I'm sorry to break it to you, the Clippers, but if you're in a race with the Lakers— the Lakers are going to win every time, no matter how bad the Lakers are, you know, how worse the Lakers are than you, because they're the Lakers and they're the big brother in LA, and that's where everybody wants to go, right? So for the Clippers, they're like that little brother who gets all the hand me downs. Um, they're not going to get LeBron James. So I'm afraid they would probably traded Blake Griffin away for no reason. Um, so honestly, it's just been a really tough year for the Clippers. You know, you lose Chris Paul, you trade away Blake Griffin, and I feel like they're game planning for an offseason that's going to be really unsuccessful for them in the long run.
1: So, I'm going to take the Memphis Grizzlies, because I've always liked the Memphis Grizzlies, and let's just call it as it is. This team is always that fourth seed, or fifth seed, or we know them every year, that's going to verse the Clippers in the playoffs. And, yes, they don't get far in the playoffs because there's just teams so much better, but this is a team that starts off the season with Michael Conley and Marc Gasol. And I know they're in the Western Conference, but that's good enough, to get you far and get you into the playoffs. And Michael Connolly out for the season. He's been out since November. Not trading Tyreek Evans. You bench him for a week to, on the only thought is to trade him so he doesn't get injured. He's on a one year deal having a fantastic year. His numbers are going to go up even more because he's going to either be starting a lot more or he's going to be coming off the bench and he's going to be playing a ton of minutes that he's probably not going to re-sign with Memphis. So you don't trade Tyreek Evans, and at the end of the day, anything would have been pretty good for Tyreek Evans because it's a one-year contract team player and you're still looking at being at the bottom of the draft and sits teams right now have just eighteen wins. And it's tough for me to see Memphis because they have they have a couple more games to play than the other remaining five teams that have eighteen wins. Staying in what? the top three for the draft, top four for the draft type of thing. So I think they're going to win a few more games than teams like Atlanta or teams like Orlando, uh, Phoenix. They're going to be able to win those games when they play those type of teams. Or in general, they had a real close game with OKC just a couple nights ago. And they're a better home team than most of the other teams that are with 18 wins. So this team is just been a complete disappointment for me. Just organization-wise, they didn't make the right moves with tr- not trading Tyreek Evans. They're not going to put themselves in the best spot on a draft uh, pitch. And you still have you know, Evans and Marc All. So the fact that you didn't trade away Evans, you're not setting yourself up for a great future. It, just the wrong moves constantly by the Memphis Grizzlies and... They're they're finally paying for it after years and years of being a team that is going to accept the fact that their players are going to be out for a season or out for plenty of time or miss the playoffs, and they come into the playoffs with just half their lineup. It's the wrong moves, and they're finally paying for it because it happened earlier on in the year. They've been by far the biggest disappointment for me. Uh, Jose, what are you looking forward to in the second half of the season? If we can call that.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, right, the second <laughs> half. About 20 um,
1: or so games, 25 games
0: maybe. <laughs> I'm really interested in seeing um, really two things if I can. One, where Derrick Rose lands. Um, Derrick Rose, obviously we saw he was traded to use how Jazz, but they waived him. I'm really interested in seeing where he goes, how much does Derrick Rose have left in the tank. Are we going to see a Minnesota reunion with him and Derrick Rose with Tom Thibodeau, which would be funny because then him and Butler would end up on the same team again. Um, so I just, I'm really interested in seeing where Derek Rose lands in terms of team wise, if he goes anywhere at all. Um, secondly, I want to see how well the Timberwolves keep doing too, because you know, they fly under the radar a lot. Um, they picked up Jimmy Butler in the offseason and we were talking about it before we started They're in they're tied for third place right now. And they're the Western conference and they play really, really well. And the Warriors struggle against big physical teams and the Timberwolves are a big physical team. So I want to see if the Minnesota can keep it going. Um, you know, how, I mean, but Jimmy Butler is having a ridiculous year as well, too. He's really taking leadership um, of this team, which to me is what the Timberwolves were missing all along. I mean, I love Carl Anthony Towns. I love Andrew Wiggins, but they needed that superstar player to come in here and say, hey, let's get this done. And the Timberwolves are doing that with their young core. Um, so I'm interested in seeing, uh, can they keep it going in the second – well, in the, technically the second half. So
1: for me, I'm, I'm going to take a little bit more of uh... – and uh, a topper pit team. And that's how about Houston uh, Rockets and the Golden State Warriors. The Houston Rockets are going to go into this all-star break with the best record in the NBA with the, number, uh, with the first in the Western Conference. And that's the first time in, what, four years that it hasn't been the Golden State Warriors on um, the top seed for the Western Conference. So I'm really interested to see how these two teams battle it out because... These could, this could be the two best teams in the entire NBA, and if it does go to a seven game, home court's going to matter. A home court to originally start that type of series is going to matter. So I'm really looking into, you know, can Houston remain atop the Western Conference? Will that be a difference maker when these two teams meet in the playoffs, and I'll take the other on the Eastern Conference. We spoke about the Cavs earlier, and you, like you said, it's only been two games. They they technically had three when the trade got mated, but none of the four players played against the Atlanta Hawks. Technically, the Cavs are 3-0 and since the trade has been made, but it, there's always that feel of, I need to see more, and just like you... I need to see more of the Cleveland Cavaliers. I need to see how they do against better teams, how they do against worse teams when they finally match up again with other playoff teams. So I'm interested on how Cleveland can do with this change in their lineup and more of a long-term situation than just two games in. So I'm really looking forward to those two parts because at the end of the day, I really only view it as there's a couple teams challenging for the NBA Finals. And that's about the main gist of those teams that are in there. Uh, which team not in the playoffs has the best chance of
0: making it to me, I have the Detroit Pistons for that Um, right now. They're sitting two and a half games out behind Miami in the eighth spot. Um, They made the big trade for Blake Griffin, which a lot of people said that they gave up a little bit too much. Um, But again, I think this is a team that, you know, they started the year off. Well, remember they were in the playoff picture earlier this year. I think at one point they might even had one of the best records in the NBA too, um, in the beginning. And they fell off a little bit. And I think this is a team that started to come back down to earth. So what do you do? You give them an injection of an all-star player like Blake Griffin. That changes the attitude of this team. Andre Drummond's having a ridiculous season. Um, He's having a very good year. And you add a pro like Blake Griffin, that's going to make a difference. Um, To me, uh, this is a Pistons team that's very physical. Um, And it's also because I don't really trust the teams that are in the seventh and eighth spot, right? One through four in in this league. Obviously, Toronto, Boston, Cleveland and the Wizards, watch the Wizards, they're going to make it. I like Milwaukee's chances, and I also like Indiana, too. I think the Pacers are playing really well right now. So you're talking about six spots that I think are pretty much a lock in the Eastern Conference to make it. So really that seventh and eighth spot is what I'm looking at. Right now seventh is Philadelphia, and in the eighth spot we have Miami. I can see one of those two teams really falling off, specifically Philadelphia. They're a young team. They're hot right now, but I can't say – that I trust them fully to hold down one of these playoff spots especially when Detroit is only getting hotter um and Miami can pick up some steam as well too so give me the pistons um right now they're only sitting two and a half games out and i could see the philadelphia 76ers i'll take it one further i could see the 76ers dropping out of dropping out of playoff contention
1: yeah miami is just one and six in the one and sits in the month of february one in 7 in their last 8 games played so Certainly, it's been reason why the Pistons have been able to catch up a little bit in the standings. Uh, I, I like the Pistons as a possibility, but I'm going to take the team you said as your uh, one of your biggest surprises, uh, the Utah Jazz. Yeah, you know, they're they're a little farther away. They're thirty and twenty-eight. They're a game and a half out, but they're currently sitting at the tenth spot. So it's a very hard challenge for them. They're going to have to jump both the Clippers. And uh, the Pelicans, but I do feel like the Pelicans are that team that's really going to fall off. Losing Demarcus Cousins is just too big of an injury. And I know you still have Anthony Davis, but I don't view that as enough in the NBA to consistently win against teams that are going to be over 500. And I think that could be a big reason why the Pelicans fall off. They're just 5-5 five and five in their last 10 games. And Utah, and again, it's really we always say it when you're going on a win streak the worst thing to do is to take a break and that's exactly what's happening in Utah 11 games in a row they won now they're not going to be playing for a week that's pretty much the worst thing you can do for a winning streak but on a positive it does give a week off and Ricky Rubio has a good amount of time to recover from his hip soreness uh, that's going to be a big thing because Rubio was playing fantastic during this winning streak. He had a game where he had 34 points at career high. He was putting up great numbers. So getting Ricky Rubio back could be real important for the Utah Jazz. And it's it's only a matter of time before they start winning on the road. They're 12-19 and 19 on the road this season. They still have a lot of games against those 18 win teams coming up in the month of March, I think this could really give the Jazz a great push as one of the better defensive teams in the NBA this season. Uh, I'm really interested to see if the Jazz can get that extra momentum going through these final, what, 20 uh, or, or so games, 24 games left to go in the right of a season. They still have more home games than road games to remain this year. So I'm really interested on to seeing how Utah can finish out the season strong and if they can make the playoffs over the Pelicans. Uh, we, Jose, we've seen the All-Star Game is this weekend, and it's got a new format to it with captains picking their teams. So what's your thought on the new format?
0: I actually like it. Um, I, I think it brings a lot of excitement to it because now, you know, before it used to be East and West, and we – and. Really, the imbalance of the East and the West really added to it. We always saw the same guys making it um, out of the Eastern Conference, basically the same teams over and over. Um, I really like the idea of this like, you know, pickup game style in the schoolyard basketball game where captains are choosing captains because we're seeing teammates that we never really thought we'd see before. I mean, I would have never have told you I would have imagined a team that had LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant on it. That's pretty cool. Um, I think it brings a lot more excitement to the All-Star game because sometimes it gets stale when it's one side versus the other. And I think I think basketball really is the only sport where you can do something exciting like this where because it's five-on-five five and not like football where it's a 53 roster versus 53 or in baseball where it's a 25-man roster against 25 guys. Um, you know, basketball is really the only sport where you have a small roster and you're able to do this style where, you know, you're able to pick players. I think it's exciting. I think, it, you know, it's going to produce a lot of trash but back and forth between players. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so overall, I like what they did with the All-Star game this year, but we need to get rid of fan voting. That's a must, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I like that they tried to hide it a little bit of players and where they were going. Uh, one of the things is, you know, the, when you have an All-Star game, the first thing is who got snubbed. And that's really not the case this year because there's been so many injuries. Kevin Love, Christos Porzingis, Cousins, John Wall, all are going to miss this game. So it it has a little bit less of a feel of, you know, players being snubbed. Like Paul George originally, I don't think, made the uh, All-Star game, which to me was insane that he didn't. Uh, And it's not to take anything away from the All-Star game because of the fact that these players uh, missed it. But I like the idea of the captains and... I like that they tried to protect themselves, the NBA, by making sure you, can, you can't be a captain, what, two years in a row they had the rule as? So if, like, LeBron James and Steph Curry lead the NBA in votes again, then they're not captains next year. So I, I like the change of pace in there, and it's not just East versus West, it's, so, yeah, like you said, it's, it's different. And I think it could be a big hit because it's not the same thing everyone's been watching for the last few years. Uh, before we get into Beardback and Dude and Dunce of the Week, on a uh, recruiting aspect, how much recruiting do you see Magic Johnson doing this week uh, for next season? This, this is his big moment uh, with the All-Star Game being in L.A. and a chance to get a lot of guys. So what's your
0: take on this one? I think zero unless he wants to get in trouble again, like he did last time for uh, for trying to recruit people. Um, But no, I mean, again, to me, Magic Johnson is a guy. Obviously, it's being hosted in L.A. Obviously, you know, he's going to have conversations with players. But to me, Magic Johnson doesn't need to do much to recruit. Um, I think a lot of players are sharing the same interests. I think you have a guy like Paul George who would love to come home. Um, Although I although I think he really likes it in OKC, too. I still think Paul George is going to be a Laker. Maybe LeBron James wants to challenge himself and come to the Lakers as well, too. The Lakers don't need much selling to begin with, especially when they're going to have all that money and basically say, hey, we can create a brand new team next year. So I don't think Magic Johnson has to be doing much work this weekend, honestly. And L.A. sometimes sells itself.
1: Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, though, I, I, I can't see Magic Johnson not trying to do everything in his power to make people want to say, hey, you know, I had a great experience at the All-Star Game, not just because it was the All-Star Game and I'm seeing all these stars, but I had a great chance, you know, if uh, to play with a couple of these stars, and I can do so in L.A. on a consistency than just these few couple days that I'm spending in L.A. Uh, this is a great moment for Magic Johnson. This is, uh, this is to show the reason why, hey, come play for the team that's had some of the greatest players all time play for the Lakers, and if you're Magic Johnson, this is your sell point on why LeBron James should be playing as a Laker, and why Paul George should become a Laker, and why players should be considering being a Laker these next few years, if you can just ignore the fact that they have Lonzo Ball, and Lavar Ball is uh, usually talking to a ton. Uh, but. I would almost bet that LeBron doesn't hear a single boo from a Laker fan this entire weekend because the Lakers want LeBron next season, and it's certainly possible. And the fans are going to do everything they can to show him reasons on why to be a Laker and not to stay with Cleveland. Uh, With that, we're going to jump into Beardback, and we're recording this on February 16th. So looking back on history on February 16th, and we begin in 1972 with the Los Angeles Lakers, how about Wilt Chamberlain topped the 30,000-point mark in his career during a game against the Phoenix Suns. He was the first NBA player to reach 30,000 points. He finished as fifth all-time right now. He's a little bit under 31,500, but close behind him is actually Dirk Nowitzki and LeBron James, so uh, he's certainly not going to stay fifth for much longer. I expect Dirt to pass him pretty soon. Dirt's only like 500 points away, and LeBron's less than, I think, a 1,000 away at this point from passing Will Chamberlain, but certainly one of the greatest ever. And then in 1992, the Los Angeles Lakers again seems to be a busy day. Uh, Officially retired, Magic Johnson's number 32. Uh, Johnson was the fifth Laker player to have his jersey retired. And in 2004, this is the New York one, uh, baseball commissioner Bud Sealy at the time, no wonder, approved the trade of Alex Rodriguez from the Texas Rangers to the New York Yankees, in which Alfonso Soriano would become a Texas Ranger. Yankees, uh, the Rangers would also get uh, a minor league player in the deal, and as always mentioned when this trade gets uh, talked about, one of the minor league players available for the Rangers on the list to choose was Robinson Cano at the time. Uh, so it's interesting and, how it could have been.
0: And they chose Joaquin Arias, man. <laughs> Someone's getting fired. <laughs> but certainly, that was a big day. Uh
1: talked about a lot of changes in New York when Alex Rodriguez came in, where he was going to play, third base, the issues with Dave, uh, Derek Jeter, and eventually they also would win a World Series. Uh, and with that, we'll jump into due to the week, and due to the week has to be Denver Nuggets' Nikola Jokic. 30 points, 15 rebounds, 17 assists, and two blocks last night in the 134-123 to 123 road win against the Milwaukee Brots, and it's not just because he had a triple-double. Jokic just became the fastest player to record a triple-double ever, needing just over 22 minutes of a game to achieve it, and so it still was done in the first half, and he only played just over 14 and a half minutes of playing time to get the triple-double. Fastest ever in playing time of just 14 minutes and 33 seconds and only needing 22 minutes to get the triple-double. And what's always amazing to me is he was drafted in the second round in 2014, and this season nearly 17 points. He's averaging 10 re- over 10 rebounds a game and nearly 6 assists. And we're talking about pretty much a power forward center that's averaging six assists per game and over and a double-double each game. And a great moment for my fantasy team as well. Uh, with that, Jose, though, who is our dunce of the week?
0: Our dunce of the week, you ask? Well, if I put up a poll online, I think about 85% of the time people would have a chance of getting it right because our dunce of the week is none other than LeVar Ball. Yes, LaVar <laughs> LeVar Ball, not only is the first time, he's getting double dunce of the week. He's the only person so far to receive the honor twice. Dunce of the week, why? Because he unveiled his master plan on how he's going to get all three of his kids to play on the same team. How do you ask? Well, I'm kind of glad you asked. Like, not really though. But, so LeVar Ball is saying that Leangelo is not expected obviously to be drafted this year as um, he'll probably go undrafted within the first two rounds of the NBA draft when he is available and that uh, he doesn't plan on Leangelo signing either. He's actually going to wait until LaMelo is eligible to sign, which would be next um, year's draft class, which, again, they probably won't be drafted as well. So once both of them are available to sign, Lonzo Ball would be in his third year with the Lakers, where I believe he... I'm not sure about this, Nick. Maybe you can confirm this. Um, I believe after his third year with the Lakers, he has a chance to not re-sign with them?
1: Uh, I don't believe so, actually. it's The time span that he thinks that it is, it's... um... a fourth or so year later on.
0: Uh, Right. Well, the main point is, though, is that he's saying that Lonzo will not re-sign with the Lakers um, or any team, for that matter, when the time comes until the team agrees to sign his brothers as well. So with that, Lonzo, it was nice having you in the Lakers. It was nice seeing you can go ahead and pack your bag um, because you're never going to see L.A. ever again or probably any other team, for that matter. Um, I think it's a stupid plan and you're jeopardizing the one kid who actually has a future in this league in Lonzo Ball's career. So congratulations to Levar Ball. You are dunce of the week.
1: Yeah. I, I hope, when it comes to this, I really hope that Lonzo Ball just sits down with Magic Johnson and he's like, look, whatever my dad says, I'm not going to comment on, but don't take it for face value. I hope that's what he does. And I hope that's what he tells um, every single Laker. In that locker room, but if he doesn't, that to me is the biggest problem, because you're just setting yourself up for more head situations, and just a ton of problems at the end of the day. And I think it's more of a headache for Magic Johnson as well.
0: Let's put it this way: he better do that, because I would not be surprised if after Lavar Ball said that Magic Johnson and the Lakers are having a meeting about Lonzo.
1: Yeah, because you're trying to get stars. And the stars are going to have to then deal with the LeVar Ball and everything he says about them. Uh, With that, uh, Jose, I think you had some final thoughts that you wanted to put on before the podcast ends.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to say, first of all, congrats to all the U.S. athletes that are competing in the Winter Olympics. If you haven't been following that, check it out. A lot of gold medals have been going around. Sean White Uh, picks up his third career gold medal and won it with the fastest runs um, in his snowboarding event. So that's been pretty cool. Again, a lot of cool things have been happening in the Winter Olympics. So if you get a chance, check that out. Um, USA is doing a pretty good job. They may not have the most medals, but they do have a decent amount of gold that they're bringing home um, when they come back home to the U.S.
1: Surprisingly, I was able to catch a lot of the curling games.
0: Curling is my favorite, Nick, I swear.
1: The the Hamilton uh, (laughs) brother and
0: sister duo, it really... uh, it was interesting watching them, so it was a lot of fun. I mean, my mom used to make me sweep a lot as a kid, so I might be good at <laughs> that part. But who it, knows? I, I, when it gets on the ice, it's a little bit tricky. I, I, it's always viewed as
1: always getting a lot of entertaining uh, views, because it's like, what are they doing? And I think I could do that as well. And it's really <laughs> the only Olympic sport that you kind of feel that way about, always. So it's, it's always a great one. And yes, good luck to all... Uh, playing in the olympics and let's go for the united states on this one as well and uh, pretty much a final thought of mine I'm, I'm gonna give like an insider gambling trading idea of mine that i've been trying to take up a little bit lately and when it comes to college basketball i'm not really always looking at the top 25 ranked teams what i'm actually looking at is the unranked teams that you've never really heard of that have these great records that are like 22 and sits, 18 and 9 and they're going on the road playing this team that has 5 sits, 7 or 8 wins and they're only a 1 point favorite or underdog a lot of the times And you know, a lot of those situations, these road teams with these amazing records are winning these games, they're winning by at least 5, at least 8 points covering the spreads pretty well so keep a lookout for that that happened a lot last night as well Webster uh, was a team that played at 11 p.m. They covered a four underdog spread when they were the much better record going in. So, something to look at. Uh, Mammoth is the one that's playing tonight. Really weak record. I'm looking the other way against Mammoth. So, something to consider on a future note. But just take a look at that. So, that's my insider gambling trading idea of. The podcast episode 23. And as always, thank you for listening to Sarasso and the Beard. Once again, I am Nick Sarasso.
0: And I'm the Talking Beard, Jose Rivera.
1: And episode 24 coming out next week. I'm sure we'll be diving into a lot of MLB coming up soon as we get closer to March. And we're hearing like guys like you, Darvish, signing with the Cubs. We didn't really get into that as much because we'll be breaking down very much soon. A lot of the division's coming up. And as always, enjoy the All-Star Game as well. Thank you for listening to Sarasso and the Beard Podcast, episode 23.
0: That's the sound of a day starting outright. I hear it every time my new Toro Z-Master 4000 Zero Turn starts up. With big-time horsepower, giant Voodoo track tires, turbo-force deck, and comforts like MyRide and USB ports, it's fully loaded to mow all day long while delivering that signature Toro cut. From start to finish, this beast means business. Get your Z-Master 4000 today. Toro, count on it.